of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap Committee, live from historic Roan County, Tennessee. And so very glad to be with you live. If you are listening live, by the way, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, you're one of the very few because the overwhelming majority of people that listen to this broadcast do so. After the fact, small number of folks join me live. I understand busy schedules and all that. Thank you so much to the folks that also listen via podcast. And for those of you that listen to the great radio stations across the country that rebroadcast this show after the fact as well, great radio stations like KYAH, Utah's Talk Authority out there. Uh, Utah. I, I tell you what, I love you guys, and thank you so much. On seven days a week out there, you guys uh, just you seem to be enjoying it, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate you guys appreciating it. So thank you very much to those guys out there, KYH, 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority. Thank you for being part of the Tap Into the Truth family. Now, for your benefit, and, you know, in case you didn't pay attention, if you did uh, pull up the uh, podcast, uh, the time of the live broadcast at this moment happens to be Friday. It is April 9th. It is 2021. It's a few brief moments after 7 p.m. Eastern. And I've got to jump into things. Don't have the time to dilly-dally. Hadn't had much opportunity. And there's too much to discuss, too much 
to sit around and do my usual blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to stop that right now. For those of you that were here for Wednesday night's broadcast or those of you who have heard the rebroadcast since then, you heard me breaking the news then that as of Thursday of this week, the expectation was that barely there, Beijing Biden was going to step up with his executive actions uh, aimed solidly at gun control. We went through the bits and pieces that had been linked, and sure enough, the overwhelming majority of it was right down the middle. There were a couple of surprises, a couple of things that hadn't been mentioned very much. But for the most part, it was what we expected. Now, as part of the announcement that Mr. Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. made as he was announcing his executive actions, most of which – are just for show, mean absolutely nothing, but he gets to stand up and say, hey, guys, by the way, you crazy radical leftist, I'm still listening. Somebody bring me my slippers. It still comes down to a few simple things that we need to be aware of, and you know, it's a lot like the coverage of the Derek Chauvin trial. The legacy media is only showing the parts that are going <laughs> well for the prosecution, which, by the way, isn't a whole heck of a lot. Now, they did have a better day yesterday than they had the previous days. Uh, they actually got their witnesses to stay on point and be good prosecution witnesses and not end up helping the defense more than the prosecution. And you know, Sadly, that's the first day that that's happened, which demonstrates how poor a trial it is. But the legacy media – from the very beginning, has only been showing those of you who haven't had time to follow it closely the parts that make the the prosecution look like they're doing very well. They take the prosecution questions and get the prosecution uh, witnesses' response to their questions, and you're not hearing anything from the cross examination. Right now, it is anything but. A slam dunk, but that's what the media is telling you because those people want riots. They want to manipulate the people that haven't figured out they're being lied to yet to get riled up, get angry, and say, oh, no, how can this be? Let's go to the streets. That's what they're wanting. And along that same vein, the mainstream media, the legacy media, is also not going to call out the record-setting amount of lies – that Joe Biden has just openly been telling, and Jen Psaki has been just kind of uh, whipping around the fact and said, well, you know, it's okay he lies because uh, you know what he means. I mean, clearly that's not the exact wordage, but that is the message. Well, he reiterated his point, so you know where he stands. Yeah, but he also said things that weren't true. He does have some of the legacy media uh, calling him out. He's gotten more Pinocchios in a very short amount of time than Barack Obama ever received. And Barack was a pretty good liar, too, but that was the point. He was really good at it. Joe Biden's just really consistent at it. But for those of you who maybe haven't paid that much attention, I think we need to, to spend a little time talking about Biden's executive actions. Because as he was making the announcement about his executive actions on the subject of gun control, he started out by saying, enough prayers, time for some action. 
Now, I have a really hard time understanding why a man who's supposed to be as religious, as faithful, as good of a Catholic as Joe Biden is supposed to be, has claimed to be, that we were supposed to acknowledge, accept, and believe, would ever make the statement enough prayers. Not on his own. Now, granted, there's not much he's actually doing. He's a front man. He's reading prepared statements, and uh, they try to get him out making these statements at a time when he's still lucid and crisp and, and clear and can do these things. And then they put a lid on him by about 1.30 most afternoons. Uh, they they want to make sure he gets this out. He's clearly not reading his own materials. Now, I clearly have never believed that uh, Joe Biden was a particularly good Catholic, Now, and I don't call that out as a negative on Catholics. It's just, I'm sorry. The last time I checked, even with the least popish pope in history that they currently have, the most strayed from the Gospels as the church has ever been, there are still very few parishioners that understand that could get away with the things that the Democratic politicians who claim to be Catholic get away with, like their support of the murder of the pre-born. There are several Catholic churches in this country where Joe Biden would be denied communion based on biblical principles and the principles of the status of the church. So to make the statement enough prayers is really out there. Now I can hear something more along the lines of what we've been hearing for a while, and that's prayers aren't enough. Thoughts aren't getting it done, but enough prayers? No, 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 no. That, that it just sits in my craw. I know it really shouldn't. It's such a small, unimportant detail to this. I understand that, but just something about that just sets wrong. And I don't think I'm the only one. It just feels like an attack on faith, quite honestly. Now, during the announcement, Biden delivered a speech that. Well, it was just flat out chock full of false and misleading claims. I mean, some of them, there was a, a gem, a gleam of truth, but then it still had enough political spin on it that you couldn't call it a lie because it was extremely misleading. And then other parts of it were just flat out dog faced pony soldier style lies. I think we need to spend a little time looking at some of these statements that Biden made and uh, kind of address them. I know a lot of other conservative hosts are doing exactly this, but like I mentioned Wednesday night, I, I've kind of come around to the idea that I, I better understand now. I always used to spend a lot of time working on trying to make sure I had fresh original content that I was telling at least one story, was discussing at least one news story during the course of a broadcast that you weren't going to hear or at least weren't very likely to hear anywhere else. All the under-important but still equally – under-reported but equally important stories that were out there. I see I'm getting in such a big hurry. I'm, I'm not keeping up with myself. <laughs> Well, I made the point Wednesday night that part of the reason why so many conservative outlets continue to uh, tell the same stories is because these are the big stories that show the most obvious examples of where the culture war is being lost, of where we're being lied to by the political class, or where 
the uh, industrial media, the legacy media has just flat out abandoned even the notion of attempting what we used to define as journalism. And we are all now so desperately trying to reach an audience because there are so few people that are hearing these facts. So we're hoping to spread the word. So now I'm I'm a little less against discussing those major topics. You know, continuing even if it's been done to death. Now I still have this natural inclination of I want to discuss something, but I haven't heard a million other people talking about. It. So hopefully that still draws you, and I'll still continue to do that. But some of this stuff is so important it still needs to be done. And first and foremost, a little bit of good old-fashioned debunking, actual debunking, not the left form of debunking where uh, they just come out and say, oh, well, that's been debunked, and then you're supposed to believe that because it doesn't work that way, right? <laughs> At least it shouldn't. Okay, so we'll start with Biden's uh, little long, long-told and often – practiced gun show loophole lie, uh, stating here, uh, quoting from Biden, these bills, one, require background checks for anyone purchasing a gun at a gun show or an online sale. Now, that, of course, triggered some applause uh, from the audience that was present, again, because a bunch of lefties there, they they have all either – Heard this lie told to them so many times that they believe it to be true because, again, if they're lefties and civilians, they probably don't know very much about guns to begin with, right? I doubt you'll see any of them hanging out at a gun show. Biden continued after the applause backed down a little bit saying, quote, most people don't know it. You walk into a store and you buy a gun, you have a background check, but you go to a gun show… You can buy whatever you want and no background check. Now, we got to stop right there. Er, pop the brakes. You know why most people don't know that? Because nobody knows that because it's just not true. Now, here's the thing. Most places that have gun shows have very strict rules and security that's going around on the parking lot to try and prevent direct person-to-person sales at the gun shows. A lot of them don't. Now, a few places don't. They don't care as long as you're still legally doing whatever. But the only people that get away with no background checks is the direct person-to-person sell. If I have a firearm that I no longer want but could use some money and then somebody else would like to have that firearm and they want to buy it from me and I'm doing this one sell – then guess what? I can sell that. I don't have to do a background check because I don't have the resources to do that. Seems reasonable, right? Understandable. It's, what, it's the way it ought to be, okay? Uh, stop trying to infringe on my right to get rid of my personal property. Now, most people are still only going to sell a firearm to either A, someone that they know well enough that they feel comfortable with, or B, uh, Somebody that's got enough money and they're reasonably sure they're never going to see again. <laughs> In the age of the modern internet with things like uh, Facebook Marketplace and uh, you know, all the uh, Craigslist type activity, yeah, there's a lot more of that. Uh, before Craigslist came along though, chances are if you were going to sell a handgun person to person sell, it would be with somebody that you knew. So yes, nobody knows that because if you go into a gun show and purchase from one of the exhibitors there, 
Those exhibitors typically tend to be licensed gun dealers. So you have this one of the most prevalent and misleading falsehoods that's promulgated by the left when it comes to gun control. Federally licensed gun sellers are required by law. Let me say it again. Required by law to run background checks on all firearms purchased, whether at a gun show or in the gun store, and even online. Because here's the deal. Have you ever tried to buy a gun online? If you haven't, it's a great experience. You should try it. You find a great price. You find whoever you want to do it, and then, boom, you go click, you go click, and then the last thing you have to do is make sure that you let them know what federally licensed gun dealer you want that sent to where you can pick it up. Why? Because you must go through the same background check before you can take possession of that firearm. So internet sales, a lie. The gun show loophole, a lie. The only thing that allows them any room, the only thing that's the least little bit, uh, just a glimmer of them almost being right about something, is that slight possibility of a direct person-to-person sell. Unlicensed private individuals are permitted to sell guns without running a background check. But that's the case of regardless of their location. Being at a gun show makes no difference whatsoever. It has been known to happen in the parking lot at some gun shows. It has been, which is part of why a lot of gun shows make a strong effort to stop those person-to-person activities going on on the facility while they're operating. Now, Biden falsely claims that his assault weapon and high-capacity magazine ban reduced mass shootings. That's another big – I almost said something that would have gotten some fines issued from the FCC for the rebroadcast purposes. I can get away with it on the podcast stuff, but uh, no. Nah. Okay, it's one of the biggest lies that he said as well. Uh, quoting once again, I know – This has been a hobby horse of mine for a long time. I wonder if he knows what a hobby horse really is. (laughs) Got it done once. We should also ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines in this country. For that 10 years – again, talking about when the temporary ban was in place. For that 10 years, we had it done. The number of mass shootings actually went down. Now – That's Biden conflating reality and hoping that you don't know any better. Uh, Kate uh, Pavlich, she wrote in March of 2021 for Town Hall in a piece that was titled Fact Check the Left. Did a Clinton-era gun ban bring down mass killings, as Biden claims? Now, that's what she wrote, and she makes the case that this is simply false. Not only is this period too small of a sample size to reach any statistical significant conclusion, but the average number of mass shootings per year before and during the assault weapons ban didn't change, staying at 1.5 events per year, meaning that there was no detectable or assernable change in the number of mass shootings at any point from the just before implementation of this law all throughout that 10-year period, that small decade, which 
Generally speaking, some levels of violent crime did inch down, but what they don't tell you is during that period – and it wasn't at the end of the period either. That's important to remember. But during that period, you were already on a downward trend before the law was passed. A lot of violent crimes were already trending down because they were still making an effort to put more police on the streets. Funny how more policing leads to less violence on the streets, and yet they seem to have difficulty understanding, following that simple logic. How is that so hard? Well, they're Democrats, ladies and gentlemen. They are leftists, and either A, they do know better, but they're trying to manipulate you so they can disarm you, or B, uh, they really aren't that bright, and they're easily manipulated by those other folks that I just mentioned. Biden argued that stabilizing braces makes weapons more lethal. <laughs> Quoting from his statement again, we want to treat pistols modified with stabilizing braces with the seriousness they deserve. A stabilizing brace essentially makes that pistol a hell of a lot more accurate and a mini rifle. As a result, it's more lethal. Effectively turning it into a short-barreled rifle. He also added to that that uh, that's what the alleged shooter in Boulder appears to have had. Now, for those of you who may be familiar with what these stabilizing uh, things are, then you know that it basically is the equivalent – of having a stock, a longer stock so you can put it up against your shoulder if you need to fire. With a firearm like that, it might make you a little more accurate. But the lethality of the firearm is the key part here. That's what makes this a lie. Pretty sure he knew it's not true. Meaning a lie, not just a misconception, not just a misnomer on his part, not a misunderstanding. No room for benefit of the doubt. I'm pretty sure he knew it's not true. The lethality of the firearm is the key part. And given the stability of the gun after being fired, which is the purpose of the stabilizing brace, has no effective impact on the bullet fired or its deadliness. Muzzle speed… And round size, that, that ammunition, the, the size of that ammunition, the, the bigger it is or the softer it is, the more damage it can do if it's moving fast enough. Why softer? Because softer, it hits the impact, it, it squishes out, it does more damage. Although uh, you can make an argument that way more damaging is a, a shotgun with the tiny pellets because a bigger blast pattern, uh, there's too many holes to patch up. Too much damage. So it's a variety of things. So again, it's going to come back down to how good of a shot you are. So improving the accuracy of the firing isn't going to make a difference if you're not a very good shot. It only makes it more lethal if the person using it is a very good shot. And most of those stabilizing braces, by the way, are typically used by uh, disabled individuals who still want to utilize the, their ability to 
engage in their Second Amendment rights. Of course, Biden was misleading with the claim that gun violence is an epidemic. You know what's an epidemic? Uh, something like, I don't know, coronavirus, COVID-19. That was an epidemic. It was going everywhere, blah, blah, blah. Thank you, China. Gun violence in the country is an epidemic, quoting Biden again. Let me say it again. Gun violence in this country is an epidemic. Uh, how? How exactly? I mean, you may want to say, well, this is hyperbole. He's just trying to say how widespread it's become. Yeah, I know how the language is used, but the words here are important. And it, it's not a very good comparison because in a comparison, you would be saying, well, if it's an epidemic, you're saying that it's spreading out of control, that if one person who has acquired this gun violence virus uh, comes into contact with a healthy person that doesn't have it, uh, they're going to catch it and so on and so forth. I guarantee you, you're not going to have mass shootings as a result of one mass shooter coming in contact with somebody who's never owned a firearm before, and suddenly, uh, hi, how you doing? Oh, <laughs> sneeze or cough on you, then all of a sudden, next week, you're out at the uh, kosher grocery store uh, in Colorado. No, that's not how that works. It's, it's a bad analogy. Again, it's it's a minor thing. It's it's a corrosion of the language. But again, this is how the left has been winning the culture war for a while. They've managed to control the language. They dictate the terms of the terminology we use, and in doing so, we are left having to defend more and more negligent-sounding activities simply because it feels like this is a call to action. To isolate those crazy gun folks, most of which are not. And by the way, gun violence is a term that I am only going to use when we're referring to quotes from these people coming moving forward because it's the equivalent of saying car violence or – I don't know. Pick a, pick a term. Horse violence. Dude was riding a horse, fell off, broke his neck, died. Well, that was horse violence. The horse didn't actually cause the death. The guns do not actually cause the death, destruction, and mayhem. The guns are a tool. Like any other tool, what's done with them is determined by the human being wielding them. It's human violence, and humans will not be confined they do not suffer from a lack of creativity when it comes to finding ways to do harm, to commit acts of violence when they are so inclined. So yes, I'm going to say that using the hyperbole of calling this an epidemic, well, it's misleading at best. Biden's use of the word implies a massive increase in gun violence also. In reality, just as an FYI, rates of gun violence have not increased, with statistics showing that as gun ownership has increased, uh, the rate of firearm homicides has steadily declined since a brief spike in the early 1990s. Now, the areas where I probably took the most exception comes with Biden's obvious misleads on the First Amendment, uh, much like 
every every effort from the left. They want you to believe that the Constitution is essentially meaningless, so they don't have to pay attention to it. Uh, the amendments are useless. Don't don't pay any attention to the Bill of Rights because eh, yeah, they're they're more like suggestions anyway. According to Biden, you can't yell fire in a crowded movie theater and call it freedom of speech. Now, by the way, this claim is routinely parroted by members of the left while attempting to do the little uh, putt shots, uh, the little popping of the balloon, if you will, as they try to kind of dismantle the First Amendment. Unfortunately for them, technically, that statement is kind of false. As described by Neswala Jinwali, uh, a media and First Amendment lawyer, the crowded theater argument originated from an Oliver Wendell Holmes opinion in the 1919 Supreme Court case, uh, Chernick versus United States. Now, Chernick… Uh, which I'm probably mispronouncing, never amounted to any kind of binding standard or doctrine. It was basically a bit of emotionally charged extra flair from Justice Holmes. Outside the official legal determination of that case, a powerful image that endured outside its context. It was not a high point for American jurisprudence. It's generally considered to be bad law. By most professional lawyers. It's not well thought of. It's been overturned in later cases, actually, too, as a standard. For, for Beijing Biden to say, as he did, that there was, in fact <laughs> – Scandemic Tim. I <laughs> just peeking in the chat room because my chat room finally started working. <laughs> and I'm also getting the the time for the mid hour break thing as <laughs> thank you, Cajun. I do need uh, some prompts, by the way. Uh before I do that though, I, I do need to go ahead and give some shout outs to the folks that have entered the chat room. Uh we've got uh, crazy Cajun. Uh, we've got Hank Jones in with us tonight. He's of course uh the host of a great show called Polysports, a uh, fantastic show, part of the Global Patriot Radio Network, uh, usually on Wednesday nights. Great program. Uh, we've got uh, Chief, host of Simple Facts of Life, hanging with us. And I can't quite make out the name because of the way it's sitting in my uh, my timeline. Just got you put over the, the pink area. Let's see if I can find where you joined the conversation, maybe uh, – the scoop. Okay, so that's – see, I can see the and the S, and I could kind of make out the P, but I couldn't get the rest because you're literally right over the microphone here on the way it appears on my uh, chat room. So the scoop is in with us. I don't think I've seen the scoop in here before, so glad to have you here. All right, so there's that, and now I do need to go ahead and take that mid-hour break before it gets any longer because uh, you know what I will do if I don't take it now. I'll keep rambling, and then I won't get it all in. So instead of continuing to run my mouth, let's get started with the Edwards Notebook. 
The Founding Fathers left us with a government of, by, and for the people. But as of now, that is no longer the case. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards on today's page from the Edwards Notebook. The Constitution plainly lays out the duties and responsibilities of government. To sum things up, the government is not supposed to be a hindrance to law-abiding sovereign citizens. The government is supposed to protect we the people from harm, not be a source of harm. Unfortunately, the United States is suffering from the results of numerous bad decisions and actions. Among the most egregious was the cold and calculated leftist-inspired effort to gradually wean the United States away from the very principles and providential guidance that contributed mightily to the United States becoming the most highly blessed envy of the world. Even government school educators refusing to indoctrinate U.S.-born students are now educating foreign students who were brought into our republic illegally via permission from the current Washington, D.C. regime. The founders warned that for the United States to remain a free nation, the people must be of high moral character. We have major decisions to make. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the RonEdwards.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. This is Dan Perkins with your songs and stories for soldiers, veterans tip of the day. The VA is working closely with the Center for Disease Control and Prevention and with other federal partners to provide COVID-19 vaccines as quickly and safely as they can. The VA knows that you have lots of questions and information is changing so fast, so please check back to the VA.gov website for updates, and they will continue to update the website on a regular basis to give you the latest information. If you find yourself not enrolled in the VA, but you need a COVID-19 vaccine, then go to the VA.gov and locate the nearest VA facility to you so you can reach out and find out how you can schedule your vaccine shots. If you happen to be not only a veteran, but a spouse of a veteran or caregiver or a CHAMP VA recipient, the VA will contact you and let you know when your vaccine shot will be ready. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. This is Dan Perkins, and thanks for... Let's talk about guns purely from a self-defense perspective. How many people are there in America? Well, if you said just over 300 million, you're correct. It's closer to 325 million. Now, let me ask you this. How many acts of violence are there per year in America? If you said just over 1 million, you're correct. It's approximately 1.2 to 1.3 million. So if there are just over 300 million people in America and just over 1 million acts of violence occurring in America every year, what are your chances of being the victim of one of those attacks? Well, if you said 1 in 300, you're correct. I don't know about you, but I don't like those odds. I know your odds might change depending on where you live, but if you live in an area with less crime, wouldn't that make someone else's odds go up? I mean, the number of people in America didn't change, and the number of violent attacks per year didn't change. Some of the highest crime rates in America are in Democrat-run cities where there are the strictest and most restrictive gun laws in the country, putting good people at risk because they can't defend themselves. The anti-gun left and anti-freedom groups like the Everytown Gun Grabbers continue to paint a dishonest picture of guns in America by telling you that guns cause violence. This is why they push the term gun violence. It's to help people who aren't paying attention believe that if we were to remove guns, the violence would magically go away. The truth is, not having a gun 
is more likely to make you a victim of violence. Two and a half million times per year in America, guns are used to save lives. This doesn't necessarily mean good guys killing bad guys. This most often means just the mere presence of a gun deters a bad guy. And by the way, 46% of those defensive gun uses are by women. The more guns are restricted, the more people are put at risk. The people who try to scare you and convince you that guns are the problem ignore the fact that we're all potential for being a 1 in 300 statistic. The people who ignore this are the same people who will purchase a lottery ticket with a 1 in 20 million chance of winning. They ignore the facts when pushing their agenda, and they know the odds that they're creating are dangerous. Human violence in America is not an argument for more gun restrictions. It's an argument for more guns in the hands of good people. So regardless of how desperate the anti-gun left is to disarm Americans, we've found a simple and effective way to defend yourself from violent attacks, rapes, carjackings, or shootings. Shoot back. Anti-gun hypocrisy has run rampant because of a dishonest media and an anti-gun political party that's willing to sacrifice our great American values, put good people at risk, and destroy cities with unnecessary violence just so they can gain political power. It's time we understand their strategy so we can defeat them. Our founding fathers saw these tyrants coming over 200 years away. That's why the Second Amendment was written. I'm Dan Wass. To check out my webcast, go to LoadedMike.com. To check out my book series, go to GoodGunBadGuy.net. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Yes, yes, indeed. Some men just want to watch the world burn. All right, thank you very much for staying with me through that very brief break, although uh, the breaks do seem to be getting longer, <laughs> which is not good when somebody likes to rant the way I do, uh, especially when I get started. Uh, quick point to follow up with uh, Joe Biden's little uh, attempt to get the nose of the camel under the tent, which, of course, that's what this is. It's a testing of the waters. It was mostly for show. Uh, these actions have very little power, very little bite, and quite honestly, every one of them can be challenged. Uh, other than the ones, of course, where he's asking uh, to create a model for red flag laws. Uh, Joe, I, I hate to break it to you. You can write whatever model you want. You can't force the states to go along with you, and you don't have the power or the votes to try and put a national red flag law into place. Most red flag laws are awful, and the thing is most of the people that agree with you about having them already do. And they're being challenged, and some of them are being struck down. And most of the places that will never have them, well, they don't have them now, and they never will. Second Amendment still means a lot, and I really appreciate places like my home state of Tennessee that just recently passed and signed into law a previous bill. It is a law now going into effect at the start of January, constitutional carry uh, in 
It's for concealed or open carry. So we're back to the old wild, wild west rules out here. And guess what? When folks know you're packing, they leave you be. But the good news here isn't just what happened in Tennessee, but the fact that there are multiple governors that are signaling that they will not be joining the Biden power grab to try and disarm the citizenry. They will, in fact, be taking action against Democrats like Joe Biden in an effort to make sure that they, their states, become Second Amendment zones. I mean, if we can involve – I mean, I, for the longest time, I have been a very strong proponent of the Tenth Amendment. I like the idea of nullification. I haven't liked the idea of sanctuary cities because the way I kind of draw the line – and I know my viewpoint on this isn't agreed upon by folks over at the Tenth Amendment Center. I've had a few different folks over uh, uh, during the years. It's been a little while since I've had any of them on. I probably am overdue. need to reach out to them and get somebody else over here and let's have a conversation. But I like the idea of nullification, but I did think that as far as sanctuary cities were concerned, not a good idea. I didn't feel like the states have a right to do nullification there because they joined the union understanding that the federal government did have certain responsibilities, and national immigration is one of those responsibilities. So immigration law is the domain of the federal government. Now, the lefties love making sure that they have their federal mandates in place if a state like Arizona tries to pass their own in-state laws mirroring what the federal government is supposed to be doing to defend the border. We saw that not too long ago back when Jan Brewer was running the show in Arizona, if you'll recall. Now, uh, the Democrats were all about, no, 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 the states can't do that, even though they seem to think that states and individual cities can ignore federal laws when they want to ignore the fact that they're supposed to be rounding up illegals when the opportunity presents itself. I know we can do that. So it's nullification. Now, I've always thought that nullification was completely legitimate when the federal government was overstepping. And in a case like this, this is clearly an overstep, and every state in the union and every territory should all in unison be saying, nope, no more uh, extra constitutional authority for you. So it's a good thing that states like Arkansas and Alaska and, of course, Texas and Florida are standing up and doing what needs to be done to push back against these folks. So thank you. Good to see it. <laughs> now, Joe Biden made a few folks' blood pressure rise a little more again today. See, he made another announcement. Now, we've moved away from gun control, but we're still on the progressive lefties' wish list. You'll recall, if you're few months old, uh, you'll recall as candidate Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. was being asked a serious question involving the number of justices on the Supreme Court. If he would engage in, if he supports the idea of what we commonly call in the vernacular court packing. And the thing was, Joe Biden knew the answer was yes. Most of us knew the answer was yes. 
But he didn't want to say the answer was yes because he knew that there are actually several folks that they're not true leftists, but they do lean slightly left of center on the political spectrum. Uh, people that typically vote Democrat because they're slightly left but don't like the idea of making such open and obvious power grabs because then that too ends the whole notion of liberalism. I mean it's not appropriate any longer to call these leftists liberals. It's not. Every time I hear somebody still use that term, if I can tell that it's out of habit, I kind of let it go. But if it's not an issue of habit and they're still choosing that word specifically, I try to correct them very politely usually. depends on the circumstance. But it's just not appropriate to call them liberals anymore because the thing about a liberal, an honest-to-goodness, actual, classical liberal is they're going to sit here. They're going to listen to half of the stuff I say on a – well, actually probably way more than half. They're going to listen to the stuff I say on this broadcast, and they are going to disagree with every last bit of it. But at the end of the day, they're going to take steps to protect my right to be heard, my right to express myself. And the same thing for you guys as well. A real liberal believes in freedom of speech, period. These people are not liberals. Now, back to the point I'm trying to make here, though. Biden, of course, announced today, time of the live broadcast, that of course being Friday, that he has in fact already taken the step of creating a commission to study packing the Supreme Court and a few other leftist agenda items related to the court. Now, the New York Times reported that Biden made the decision to move forward with studying the highly controversial partisan action, uh, which the majority of Americans are eh, pretty much opposed to. Well, he decided to move forward with it anyway because he was, quote, under pressure from activists. Uh, well, gee, what a surprise. Just a guy in a suit, just a barely there, slightly above room temperature body. Just slightly. Hey, Joe, I want you to, to do this for me. Okay, well, if you're going to pressure me. Okay, so here's the deal. The commission's going to be led by two left-wing partisans who served in the Obama administration – George Washington University law professor Jonathan Turley, and it was not a good sign that the commission was notably stacked on one side. I'm talking about George Turley saying this. Uh, I know that didn't come out. The flow there was wrong. Let me let me redo that. The flow was all off. So the commission is going to be led by two left wing partisans. Okay. Now, George Washington University law professor Jonathan Turley said that it was, quote, not a good sign that the commission was notably stacked to one side. Uh, that flowed a little better. It, it makes more sense now. Sorry. Now, the court packing is such, such a toxic idea. It's so toxic that even Bernie Sanders, you know, the socialist bro. The man who likes singing shirtless, uh, <laughs> this land is your land, while meeting uh, folks over in the Soviet Union, former. Even Bernie Sanders says, no, nah, no, nah, I can't get behind that. 
can't support it, and has in fact warned, Bernie has, that if Democrats do it, then the next time the Republicans are in power, they'll do the same thing. Now, if you start monkeying with the numbers of how many people you're there, then you're just going to keep adding so you can appoint enough to have your side have a majority. And I'm sorry, at some point you can't have more Supreme Court justices than you do the remainder of the federal court, which is, I would imagine, would take uh, – what do you think? Twelve years maybe? Maybe? All right, that might be a best-case scenario if you have a couple of one-and-done administrations on the, the various sides. You'd be there uh, within 12, easily within 12. Anyway, here's the thing. Court packing, like I said, very toxic idea. Now, leftist Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer, a, a registered Democrat, he himself came out this week and during a speech at Harvard, no less, warned that packing the court will diminish confidence in the courts and in the rule of law itself, which will lead to diminishing the court's power, including its power to act as a check on the other branches. Now, this is a case where somebody who leans to the left, and we know he does, but is still from a time when people that leaned somewhat to the left still were not enemies of the country. This is a man who actually appreciates the gravity of the job he has. doesn't take it as seriously as he should because he doesn't rely on the Constitution to be his guide as often as he should, but he actually makes a legitimate point here. And that point, of course, is that if you start packing it, then that's an acknowledgment that it is all about which political philosophy has the most picks. It's an acknowledgment that sadly most of us have seen for a while now. The left, when they've had the opportunity to select members of the highest court in the land, they have selected activists in robes. They have selected Sonia Sotomayor. They have selected Elena Kegel. They have selected these individuals because they have a track record of believing it doesn't matter what the law says. What matters is justice, and not real justice, but social justice. Again, quick reminder just for anybody who's new to the program. If you've got to put an adjective in front of the word justice, you're not really seeking justice. Now… Stephen Breyer's little statement, by the way, it made some folks on the left so angry. Uh, there was an op-ed piece written over at MSNBC.com that literally demands his resignation from the court, saying he should retire immediately because he clearly doesn't understand the dire circumstances that Americans are in right now because people of color are being slaughtered in the streets. Now, to a certain extent, that's a true statement. There are a ridiculously large number of people of color that are being killed in the streets every day. I, I'm thinking places like Chicago and Detroit and New York and Los Angeles. Now, we're not allowed to talk about that here or even in legacy media uh, because the narrative they want to tell isn't really uh, supported by the facts on the ground, and the facts on the ground is that's typically black-on-black uh, -black violence. Which should be the bigger issue, right? Uh, 
ending crime. Let's stop worrying so much about what color of skin is involved uh, on the part of the criminal and on the part of the victim, and let's just uh, worry about the fact that there was a crime committed and that someone needs to pay for that crime. See, if you focus on that, and then suddenly you might find, oh, instead of defunding the police, let's get some more police out there so that there's more uh, speed bumps, if you will, between the criminals and their would-be victims. And let's get these criminals off the street, and let's not worry about incarceration statistics, and let's worry more about making sure that when somebody goes to jail, it's because they committed a crime. Let's make sure they get their due process, and let's make sure that criminals are taken off the streets so that law-abiding citizens, regardless of their color, can live a little bit safer on American cities and streets. I'll remind you that even the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg warned against packing the court. She said that it would make the court appear more partisan and would trigger a constant expansion of the court every time there's a power change in D.C., which is exactly what I was saying a minute ago. No wonder it sounded so familiar. Now, Mike Davis, founder and president of the Article 3 Project, better known as A3P if you're looking for the shorthand and want to do a quick search for them. Well, Mike… Warned that Biden's move was, quote, alarming and must be met with the harshest of denunciations from both sides of the aisle because packing the Supreme Court would lead to irreversible damage. Now, the problem, Mike, and anybody who's listening, is that's part of the plan. It is the design. It is not a defect. It is the design. They're trying to destroy all the institutions of this republic. They're trying to destroy even the remotest semblance of the ideas and the notions that somehow we are a nation of laws, not a nation of men, not a nation of personalities, not a nation of lawyers where they get to set precedent and interpret previous uh, precedents and and change uh, on a whim. This notion that we're a nation of laws, that we are held together by common belief that all people are created equal in the eyes of the law and have their own inalienable rights for their pursuit of happiness, not the guarantee of happiness, but the pursuit of happiness along with their right to life and liberty. That right to life means that we must… Not be impeded in our right to own and bear firearms because we have the right to defend ourselves, our families, our friends, our neighbors, and our property. But you see, the left doesn't like the idea of individual property ownership either, does it? Another one of those institutions that wants to tear down. They have to destroy the Supreme Court because the Supreme Court already means nothing to them because the Supreme Court's entire power is based on the fact that the Constitution is still the highest law of the land, and the left just have been trying to destroy the Constitution since before it was even instituted and adopted by this great republic. 
So it's a fair warning that Mike Davis is giving, but it's a warning that is going to fall on deaf ears because the legacy media isn't going to spread it. They know what the plan is. Nancy Mimi Pelosi is going to be sitting in her San Francisco mansion laughing her head off. Uh, are you serious? Uh, the, the Constitution? Uh, the Supreme Court? <laughs> I know because I remember when we were talking about Obamacare and a certain reporter asked Pelosi, uh, what's the constitutional authority you're basing this on? And her response was a, a half chuckle and are you serious? Yes, Nancy. It was serious, and it's still a serious question. It's a question that uh, it should be answered honestly in front of a camera sometime. You really should tell the people that you disdain them, that you hate having to sully yourself. You have to sully yourself to, to go out and speak in camp, which is part of why she's going to be retiring soon, I'm sure. That is so beneath her to have to mingle with the minions and why it was so tragic that they had to deal with Donald Trump because Donald Trump's the closest thing to an average American these people have dealt with in a long time, having to slip outside of their little protective elitist bubble. <sighs> Quoting again from Davis, packing the Supreme Court would destroy centuries of hard work from Democrat and Republican-appointed justices to insulate the high court from partisan politics. It also raises serious red flags as to what unconstitutional actions President Biden is planning that a more favorable Supreme Court might tolerate. Now, that's really the $64,000 question, isn't it? Why do you feel the need to do this? If you're still planning on operating within the confines of the Constitution as it currently exists. Of course, if you were planning on operating within the confines of the Constitution, you wouldn't be out making statements about how I'm infringing on your Second Amendment rights. But I'm going to tell you this isn't a Second Amendment right. Oh, by the way, no amendments are absolute. Oh, so the Constitution itself is not absolute. There's exceptions, and the exception, of course, is when a leftist is in charge, when a radical is in charge, and when a frontman for radicals – that's the case of barely there Beijing Biden – when Operation P-Pads and Knee-Pads are in full effect – that's my cute little nickname for the Biden-Harris administration when they're together – their whole agenda is to push as far and as hard to the left as they possibly can because they learned their lesson from Obama. Obama got two terms, but he didn't get half of the stuff done that they wanted to do. They learned their lesson. They know they've got to push hard. They've got to go, go, go while they've got the slightest advantage, and then when they finally go as far as they can, then they stick their head up, see if they got far enough. See if they've done enough damage that we'll never be able to repair. I can't believe I'm already out of time for this hour. Good grief. All right, so clearly this hour is over. <laughs> and if I can get this back over, I will recuse. I'm going to have to reset for the hour, so, um, you know. If you're listening on terrestrial radio, remember, don't take my word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, 
And, uh, you know, most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, if you're here live, stay where you're at. Hour number two starts right after this. of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Rome County, Tennessee. And for the benefit of those of you that are listening to the rebroadcast on great terrestrial radio stations across the country, stations like KYAH 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority, thank you so very much. But for your benefit, since you get to hear a rebroadcast. The time of the live broadcast is Friday. It's Friday night, April the 9th, 2021. A few brief moments after 8 p.m. Eastern, and I've got a fine crew hanging out with me in the chat room. I've been here for the majority of the show already. This, of course, is the second hour of the live broadcast. Uh, we've got Crazy Cajun, we've got Hank Jones, we've got Chief, and we have The Scoop. So glad to have you guys here with me. Uh, I don't know. I told you I had rants and I wasn't going to be able to fit in the time. Uh, it is just uh, 
me struggling right there. Uh, <laughs> there he is. Uh, like I said, bandwidth challenge. Yep, uh, it's still having some issues. Uh, Cajun uh, reminding me that uh, unfortunately he's not recording the show for me, so he can't fix it up. <laughs> uh, I I do miss those days, sir. I do miss those days. Uh, in fact, uh, holler at me on Skype a little later too, because I need to to talk to you a little bit later afterwards. But anyway, uh, let's let's jump back into things. Obviously, uh, if you missed the first hour, if you are listening to the rebroadcast, then you missed me talking about Joe Biden's executive actions when it comes to uh, gun control, as he's trying to get the nose of the camel under the tent. He also missed me talking about Joe Biden announcing that he was creating – or actually has created a commission to study packing the Supreme Court, which of course is something they're clearly going to do. Now, another major topic that we've been discussing uh, ad nauseum that's been discussed a lot uh, quite a bit recently is the new voter integrity laws in Georgia. Now, we've talked about it. I've made my point over and over again, but there's still something else that needs to be addressed. Now, I I don't know how many Pinocchios Joe Biden has earned himself over the course of the last couple of weeks. I do know that if liar, liar, pants on fire was a literal event, uh, Biden would have been roasted like a marshmallow several weeks ago. He just would have. If... He actually got turned into Pinocchio instead of just getting Pinocchios awarded to him. Uh, his nose would have already grown so far it would look like a freaking redwood tree, and there's no amount of magic that the blue fairy would be able to do to fix him up. It just would not be possible. But the most ridiculous aspect, not that we didn't know it was coming, not that we didn't expect it, but the fact that the legacy media is more than happy to try and cover and ignore and play off Every single lie. Why? Because on the one hand, they want to try and get as much of this stuff done, and then later on, blame it on this senile, old, barely there, barely conscious, weekend at Bernie's stunt double, uh, than to have to take any of the un, undeniably on its way pushback that's going to occur as a result of the left's trying to turn us into a banana republic. Now, one of the biggest obstacles in people understanding the truth is in taking a long, hard look at something the media won't. Now, Democrats have repeatedly denounced this new Georgia election integrity law, this law that requires IDs for absentee ballots. Do you know what passes for an ID? Spend a little time talking about it. Let's just say that it's not a high bar. It's really – what kind of an ID? A freaking utility bill will pass as an ID. All you'll have to do is show some uh, uh, <laughs> freaking account numbers uh, for your utility bill. For the love of Pete, you don't have to be a citizen to be receiving a utility bill in the state of Georgia. I love the fact that this is still about, oh, it's an attack on people of color, and they're not talking about uh, illegals in this case. They're not talking about 
people who have migrated across our borders without legal permission. They're not talking about Hispanics. They're talking about black folks in the state of Georgia. So essentially they're trying to insinuate that, sorry, black people of the state of Georgia, you're just too stupid to know how to get a driver's license or to get a state-issued photo ID if you don't have or slash need a driver's license. No, you don't know how to do that. Let us take care of you, and oh, we still need you to vote because you're exactly the kind of people – if you really are too stupid to do that, then you might believe the Democrats when they say that they're fighting for you. So they are who they need showing up at the polls for any election that might actually matter what the count ends up at. So yeah, they, they want you to be as dumb as they think you are. Now, despite repeatedly denouncing this law, despite calling it Jim Crow on steroids, which is an insult to every black American in this country, whether they were ever in the South or not, despite all that, they don't bother even looking at, let alone criticizing, various blue states and some purple states that have comp- – Comparable laws on their books, or even in some cases, laws that make it more difficult to vote than the Georgia law does. Overall, the Georgia law is pretty much in the mainstream, actually, and is not regressive or restrictive. This according to Jason Snead, executive director of the Honest Elections Project. The availability of absentee ballots and early voting is a lot more progressive than what's in blue states. Now, you don't believe me? Well, let's take a quick look uh, in the state of New York. Now, Joe Biden just as easily could have been referring to New York state election laws when he said, without specifying the state, that it's sick. It's sick. Exciting the example that deciding in some states that you cannot bring water to people standing in line waiting to vote, which, by the way, again, one of those Pinocchios he gets because that's a lie. It's not true. The law prohibits people that work for campaigns to bring you things. New York prohibits providing meat, drink, tobacco. I don't know why they specified meat, but meat to drink, tobacco, refreshments, or other provisions with a retail value of more than $1 within 100 feet of the entrance of the polling places. This according to the National Conference of State Legislatures. Georgia has caught up with both New York and Montana as part of its new election law prohibiting campaign workers, not not random people. No, nobody says you can't bring your own beverage. Nobody says that election workers, the people that are working the polls, can't bring you stuff. Nobody says that you can't step away from the line for a moment and go – because water is often provided in these locations. Nobody says you can't get something to drink or that you can't snack while in line. Now, it's kind of cheesy, but nobody says you can't do it. The law just says that campaign workers cannot do it. And Georgia is way behind the times on passing that as part of their election law. Tennessee's had something similar for about as long as I can remember. The Georgia law prohibits food and drink distribution by campaign workers within 150 feet 
of the entrance of the polling station. Uh, that's it. Montana is the only other state besides New York and Georgia that prohibits campaign workers from handing out drinks specifically, naming drinks specifically. But in truth, you still have to keep your distance. You can't just be doing anything within uh, – in Tennessee, it's 100 yards of the uh, polling entrance. And they're not even supposed to be there, period, other than to take off their uh, – whatever promotional garb for their campaign they might be wearing so they can come in and vote themselves. And then they got to get back out there and get away from the entrance. <laughs> now, Georgia's law now allows for 17 days of early in-person voting. 17 days of early in-person voting. New York, they allow only 10 days of in-person voting. According to the National Conference of State Legislators, of course, it's the source here. A New York Post editorial noted that the Empire State poorly on making it easier to vote when compared to Georgia, noting both more time to early vote and Georgia's no-excuse absentee voting, meaning that uh, you don't have to give a reason. Just say, hey, I, I want to vote uh, by absentee. Okay, here you go. You don't have to give an extra. In New York, New York State requires voters casting absentee ballots to provide a reason why they can't come to the polls on Election Day. And, by the way, if they don't like the reason you give them, they can deny your request. And I'm sure if they thought you might vote for somebody like mm, the orange man who was bad, you know, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist, you know, that guy. They thought you might vote for him. I'm sure they would decline your uh, absentee ballot regardless. So yes, Georgia will now ask for a valid ID to vote absentee, but it lets you out of the requirement if you attest that you don't have one. New York even has a ban similar to Georgia's new prohibition on the distribution of food and drink in voting lines. In both cases, it's an effort to prevent electioneering. That's all. Now, let's take a look at another state, Delaware. Biden has called Georgia's voting law Jim Crow in the 21st century. Unlike Georgia, however, Biden's home state of Delaware has never allowed Early in-person voting. The state will begin to do so in 2022, according, again, to the National Conference of State Legislatures. They've made that change. They're looking into it. Evidently, early voting is going to be a thing in Delaware in 2022, but it's never happened before. Brian Kemp said, quote, I was – just actually looking at a comparison of the two states that somebody did, one of our legislators sent out. It's really interesting, especially when you look at the opportunities to vote early in our state versus Delaware. I mean, it's a world of difference. The president should be worried about his own state, not the great state of Georgia. Hmm. 
Now, even when Delaware does allow early voting when it comes up here in a couple of years, Georgia will still provide seven more days of early in-person voting than Delaware is planning to allow. Delaware offers early voting beginning in 2020 for 10 days before the election, a little more than half of the number of days of early voting in Georgia. Now, this kind of undercuts the whole narrative that Georgia's trying to, to restrict voting, at least for anybody who knows these facts and understands what they mean, which is why I'm trying I, – well, I was trying not to sound very condescending. It's not working for me at this point because for crying out loud, how, how unaware you have to be. To just blindly follow what the left is telling you about the Georgia integrity law. I mean, similar to Georgia, Delaware, under its new law, will allow some Saturday and Sunday voting. According to the Washington Post fact check columnist who gave Biden four Pinocchios just the other day, by the way, uh, the newspaper's highest rating for falsehood, uh, they said, quote, we were curious what the early voting rules were in Delaware, Biden's home state. It turns out Delaware did not allow any in-person early voting in 2020. A law signed in 2019 will permit early voting starting in 2022. Uh, voting hours are 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. on Election Day. Delaware, the first state to ratify the U.S. Constitution, is among the last in the country to allow early voting. As 43 states allow it in some form, again, according to the National Conference of State Legislators. Now, the average for early voting, uh, by the way, happens to be 19 days. Now, a lot of people have brought up Colorado, considering the fact that Major League Baseball decided to move the All-Star game from Atlanta to Colorado as a reaction the voter integrity law, right? Well, in a lot of different ways, Colorado's voting laws are more strict than Georgia's. It's not a clear-cut comparison, though, because Colorado uh, mails out ballots to all active voters, which is kind of weird. But voter service and Polling centers must be open 15 days before an election, according, again, National Conference of State Legislators, and that's two fewer days than Georgia allows for the early in-person voting. Moreover, Colorado's law states if you are voting by mail for the first time, you may also need to provide a photocopy of your identification when you return your ballot. Now, that's similar, though not identical, to the new Georgia law that will require an absentee ballot to have either a voter's driver's license number or the last four digits of their social security number or another form of identification in place of the signature verification, like a valid passport and uh, – well, let's see, a utility bill. And uh, oh, yeah, I, I keep mentioning that because – they go pretty far down a long list of things they're willing to accept, and it's all about proving you are who you say you are, not proving whether or not your name actually belongs on the voting rolls. 
I have a real issue with the fact of how little identification they're actually requiring. To vote in Colorado, a person needs photo identification just as they do at the will call ticket window at Coors Field. Just just throwing that in there. Now, uh, David Harsini of uh, National Review uh, is an analyst, uh, contends that Colorado has comparable, if not more restrictive, voting laws than Georgia. Coors Field in Denver, where the Colorado Rockies play, where the All-Star Game will be now, they're going to host this relocated All-Star Game. And there's literally no rationale for them to have done so. None. Now let's take a look at New Jersey. <laughs> and I'm going to have to pick up the pace here because I'm running, already running out of time. Almost half an hour in. This is crazy. In March, Stacey Abrams, uh, you all know Stacey Abrams, the Democrat who thinks she won the Georgia governor race back in 2018, still hasn't conceded. It hasn't stopped the government from going on with the bright winner of the election, but she's still – she's never conceded. Anyway, Stacey Abrams made a virtual appearance in New Jersey to deliver an online speech celebrating the state's new early voting law that Phil Murphy, a fellow Democrat, uh, signed into effect. Now, the praise came despite the fact that the New Jersey law provides nine fewer days of early voting than the Georgia law which Abrams has denounced as Jim Crow 2.0, saying, quote, I'm so excited to be looking up, looking at New Jersey, knowing that New Jersey is taking us in the right direction. Well, if that's the right direction, hey, Georgia, why don't you take away some of those early voting days? Why don't you get rid of those drop-off boxes altogether? I mean, according to Stacey Abrams, that's a move in the right direction. Anyway, Abrams continued by saying, quote, to Governor Murphy, to the state legislature, to the Secretary of State, and to all the allies who made this possible, you have my heartiest, not only congratulations, but you have my gratitude because you're showing the way to a better democracy and a better future for us all. Yay, Stacey Abrams is up. No, I, I better not. My good friend Ron Edwards would say, Big Mama Abrams, right about this. So I'll leave it at that. Now, specifically, the New Jersey law will not allow, will not allow as many early voting days. It only allows nine days of in-person early voting. That contrasts with Georgia that now has 17. A quick look at Rhode Island. The new Georgia law requires voters to request absentee ballots by 11 days before the election. Previously, Georgia law allowed voters to request ballots uh, up until the Friday before Election Day. So that's one area where the Georgia law makes it a little tougher to postpone applications for an absentee ballot 
uh, when you're comparing that to 36 states that allow ballots to be requested seven days or less before Election Day, uh, again, utilizing as a source the National Conference of State Legislatures. The reason that was put in place, though, is so if you're going to be so lax in what constitutes uh, identification on these mail-in ballots, then you do need enough time to try and make sure that these folks – are legit up front. So here, we're going to send this out to you, but we're immediately going to start researching and see how many of these we're going to reject when we get them back. And a lot of them should be rejected, just saying. Now, the strictest deadline, of course, is Rhode Island. That's why we're talking about Rhode Island. It requires absentee ballots requests to be submitted 21 days before Election Day, three full weeks before Election Day. State allows emergency requests within 20 days. So if you have an emergency, they give you one extra day. <laughs> now, the 11-day deadline puts Georgia on par with Texas, Arizona, Idaho, and Iowa. Oh, and uh, Florida has a 10-day rule, while Indiana sets a 12-day limit. Nebraska requires requests to be submitted by the third Friday before the election. Missouri requires applications be made two Wednesdays before the election. Uh, let's look at Minnesota. Closely contested in a few elections, Minnesota is generally viewed as a blue state. They, they've been kind of purplish as of late, at least in presidential uh, races, but they're typically blue overall. Uh, the, having last gone to a Republican presidential candidate in 1972 – it was a lone Democratic holdout when Republican President Ronald Reagan carried 49 states back in 1984. That, of course, was against Minnesota's favorite son, Walter Mondale, the state's former U.S. senator and later vice president. One area where Georgia caught up with Minnesota is in requiring a driver's license and other ID for absentee ballot verification. Now, according, once again, National Conference State Legislature, Ohio and Kansas are the only other states joining Minnesota and Georgia and requiring voter driver's license numbers for absentee ballots. Now, again, I don't even know that you can call that a requirement because it's just their preferred method of identification for absentee. It's their preferred. They still are allowing other things. So yeah, again, I don't know. Wisconsin, uh, generally a battleground state. It leans blue, uh, at least at the presidential level. Badger State requires absentee ballot applications to include photo identification information. Uh, that's fewer options than in Georgia which requires voters to provide either their driver's license number, four digits of their social, other forms of identification, meaning that Wisconsin says must be uh, information from a photo ID. Nothing else is acceptable. Now, just as an FYI, 25 states on voting in wrong precinct. Okay, Among the criticisms of the new Georgia law is the handling of votes in the wrong precinct. If a voter shows up at the wrong precinct, local election officials are directed to tell voters to travel to their correct precinct to cast a vote. However, in the new Georgia law, 
it has an exemption for voters who show up in the wrong precinct after 5 p.m. on Election Day because polls close at 7. The election officials will accept a provisional ballot from the voter who arrives at the wrong location within two hours of the polls closing. That's the most generous rule that I've ever heard. Half of the states, including some of the bluest of the blue states, do not count provisional ballots if cast at the wrong precinct, according, once more, to the National Conference of State Legislatures. Among heavily Democratic and Democrat-leading states uh, that don't count such ballots, uh, you find uh, such well-known locations as Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Illinois, Michigan, Nevada, Vermont, Virginia, and Wisconsin. Heavily Republican and GOP-leaning states uh, not counting ballots cast in the wrong precinct. Uh, you're looking at places like Alabama, Florida, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, Texas, Wyoming, and yes, the great state of Tennessee. It's very generous to allow the possibility of counting a provisional ballot that was put in the wrong place. You go to the wrong place, bam, we're still going to let you count it if, if you've only got two hours. You may not make it then. Well, you know, I think I would still take a look and say, well, what precinct do you belong at? And if you can easily make it within an hour, I think I still send them packets. Well, what if the line's long? Well, then guess what? Uh, I don't know of a single place where they legally close the polls on you to anyone who's already in line. Right? I mean, is that something that happens? Have any of you seen that happen somewhere? Pretty sure it's not legal. Now, I have seen people walk out once it's that time, and they physically denote where the line has ended so that nobody else can sneak up at the end of it and just keep going. But that's not the same thing. I don't know. I mean, I think that's extremely, extremely generous. Now, of course, me being me, what do I know? There's a reason why I'm behind a microphone right now rather than running a state somewhere. And that's because they wouldn't vote for me. I'm Kind of a jerk sometimes. All right. Well, let's take that mid-hour break since I'm just a smidge past that time already. Uh, we will, as is the norm, begin with the Edwards Notebook. You guys don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. The founder of the world-renowned Hilton Hotel chain, Conrad Hilton, who lived from 1887 till 1979, published a heartfelt prayer on full-page magazine ads in 1952. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, Mr. Hilton's prayer goes as follows. Quote, Our Father in heaven, we pray you save us from ourselves. The world that you made for us to live in peace, we have made into an armed camp. We live in fear of war to come. We are afraid of the terror that flies by night and the arrow that flies by day the pestilence that walks in darkness, and the destruction that wastes at noonday. We have turned from you to go our selfish way. We have broken your commandments and denied your truth. We have left your altars to serve false gods of money, pleasure, and power. 
forgive us and help us. Now darkness gathers around us and we are confused in all our counsels. Losing faith in you, we lose faith in ourselves. Be swift to save us, dear God, before darkness falls. Unquote. Let us today seek forgiveness for allowing the leftist darkness now permeating our entire republic, and may we, the people, quickly regain the will to defeat the darkness so that America will be great again. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the RonEdwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Hello, this is Dan Perkins with your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans, Tip of the Day. Did you know that the unemployment rate for homeless veterans was twice the national average? And without proper shoes, it's hard to get a job? Here's your Veterans Tip of the Day. People from all over the country helped us with our annual Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Shoes and Socks for Homeless Veterans. There was a time this summer where we believed that probably it wouldn't be successful because of the pandemic, but decided to go ahead and do it anyway. We reached out in the local community and on the various radio shows that I'm on, asked for their support. In a little over three weeks, we received 400 pairs of shoes and over a thousand pairs of socks for homeless veterans so they can go out and look for a job and have a decent pair of shoes to wear. We at Songs and Stories for Soldiers and all the 400 plus soldiers who will receive these shoes and socks say thank you for your generosity. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers Veterans Tip of the Day. It's not so unbelievable that governments would want to disarm their citizens, but that citizens would beg to be disarmed by their government is a much scarier thought. We've seen government control most recently in Venezuela where citizens are left to defend themselves against a violent government by throwing rocks because not too long ago they were disarmed by that very government under the guise of gun safety. Gun control laws like the ones in Venezuela are exactly what our political left in America would like to see here. As a mother, I am terrified. I have four children in our public school system. And if they knew that their teachers were potentially carrying a gun... They want to be disarmed by our government so badly that they protest in the streets, demanding that government take away their rights. All for that assault weapons ban, to keep these weapons of war out of the hands of civilians who do not need them. All for the prohibition of high-capacity magazines, because no hunter will ever need access to a magazine that can kill 17 in mere minutes. How does this happen? Well, it's complicated, but it starts with very powerful propaganda targeted at people who can't think. People who have been taught to believe that freedom is dangerous. People who can't think for themselves are targeted from many directions, schools, movies, news sources, and even their own friends and family. And once they're on board with the anti-gun fear campaign, they continue to perpetuate the irrational gun fear. Well, they have to justify their position, right? You also yeah. don't need home protection. Um, oh. you, don't, you don't need guns for home protection. You don't want to bring more guns into a situation. The answer to solving violence is not more violence. Gun fear is cultivated purely for the purpose of gun control support. But the people who spread it don't always know that they've been misled. They think they're doing a good thing. These same people are taught to hate gun owners. They're taught that gun owners are recklessly and intentionally putting everyone in danger. They're taught that gun owners are the enemy and more government control will protect them from the enemy. Why does anybody need an assault rifle if they're not going to war? I don't think there's any reason to have 33 bullets in a killing machine that you can take into a place like a school. Watch these anti-gun activist groups in action 
and you can't help but ask yourself if they have any clue what the real results would be if they were successful. So what's the real problem here? Is it really guns or is this about something else? I mean, do guns cause violence? How do we let the gun grabbers hijack the conversation and direct the focus to firearms when we all know we really should be talking about what causes human violence? You see, if we were to look at what causes human violence in this country, we'd be forced to look at gang violence, open borders, sanctuary cities, rampant pharmaceutical drug use, and gun-free zones, all things that the anti-gun political left supports. So to the anti-gunners, why in the world would you want your government to take away your rights? The Second Amendment is not a privilege. It's your right. I'm Dan Wass. To check out my webcast, go to LoadedMike.com. To check out my book series, go to GoodGunBadGuy.net. Ours was the first revolution in the history of mankind that truly reversed the course of government and with three little words, we the people. We the people tell the government what to do. It doesn't tell us. We the people are the driver. The government is the car. And we decide where it should go and by what route and how fast. Almost all the world's constitutions are documents in which governments tell the people what their privileges are. Our Constitution is a document in which we, the people, tell the government what it is allowed to do. We, the people, are free. There's a clear cause and effect here that is as neat and predictable as a law of physics. As government expands, liberty contracts. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that, of course, is some words of wisdom from Ronald Reagan, and very true. I mean, there is no question, there is no doubt. Uh, if you are looking at the growth of government, it's ever-expanding tendrils reaching into your daily activities. Uh, liberty is falling by the wayside. Tyranny is growing. Liberty is falling away. We can't have that, ladies and gentlemen. We simply can't. Now, I often come across weird and sometimes unusual stories about the culture war that I can't help myself but to share. Sometimes even relatively uncomfortable topics. <laughs> I have I spent some time having conversations here that I probably wouldn't have with people that I'm extremely close to because it's just uh, creepy. Uh, this isn't anything quite that bad, but it is such an unusual new norm, if you'll forgive the vernacular, that I kind of think it's necessary to talk about. Because whether you're ready for it or not, this new phenomenon of neo-pronouns is only picking up steam, evidently. Now, uh, of course, we've seen a truckload of discussion, uh, especially with the non-gender binary crowd, uh, about the use of alternate pronouns, especially over the last few years. In fact, just this past December, uh, the news hit that admission applications for business schools around the country uh, were offering – as many as 27 alternate pronouns uh, that a prospective student could choose from. You know, things like 
yay and ease and her and this and airs. Uh, apparently, the very outdated she and he, they just don't cut it anymore. Well, in case you missed it, this past Thursday, the New York Times uh, wrote a rather long and nearly 2,000-word article on the topic of what they have come to term as neo-pronouns. Basically, uh, they're revealing for starters that the phenomenon of using they and them to describe a single person is becoming normal. Well, okay, good for them. But there are literally tons and tons of new neo-pronouns that are making their way into this very strange new existence. Uh, You're going to be seeing things that include fantasy characters. You're going to see new neo-pronouns like vamp and vamp self, prind and princess, princess elf, fay, fair, (laughs) fay self. Uh, It's really weird, very odd (laughs) new things. So here's the deal. The whole they and them to describe a single person, that's becoming normal, but that's actually become old hat. It's not radical enough anymore. Turns out that neo-pronouns created terms like Z and Zare that kind of gloss over gender. Well, they're expanding to include noun self, pronouns that can refer to animals or fantasy characters. Therefore, again, the Times reported, one's pronouns can be bun, bun self, and kitten, kitten self. Even, like I already mentioned, vamp, vamp self, prince, princess, prince self. The paper also said that common slang is fair game too, as an Inuit, incel, <laughs> whatever common slang is hit, it's available. Many of these new neo-pronouns are, are dead serious. They're part of the online communities that are quick to react swiftly to offenses. They're deeply versed in the style and Morals of contemporary identity politics conversation. Quoting directly from the Times here, a popular Twitch streamer who also goes by Andy VMG recently apologized after jokingly tweeting that her pronouns were bad AF, which led many neo pronoun users to accuse her of transphobic invalidation of their identities. Andy VMG did not respond to a request for comment for the article, but wrote on Twitter, quote, it wasn't meant to mock people who use neo-pronouns. However, I have since educated myself on the matter and spoken to people who use neo-pronouns, and I see why what I said was hurtful. You know, the typical leftist forced apology that doesn't mean jack. 
Because at the end of the day, these people, if they did this, they understood they were making a joke. They were making a joke not directed at trans people, but at the big deal that non-trans folks are using out of using preferred pronouns. Because guess what? If my preferred pronoun is he, him… That could be fairly well assumed by looking at me. So if I have you using that, it's not you making an assumption. It's you putting together a little bit of the general information you're gathering through your senses and realizing upon immediately using one of those pronouns that I am not offended by it, and then we move on. It's ridiculous. It's, it's, we're sitting here playing a game with these people. They want to completely demolish the language, and why not? They've been watching the left for so long control the narrative by virtue of changing the meaning of words whenever they've wanted to change the meaning. So why not just create new words? Why not just create new ways of putting words together? Why not just pretend like pronouns aren't even a real thing so we can use as a pronoun anything we want? Now… The question is, how are people reacting to this? Now, there's plenty more conjugating of the issue within the rather lengthy Times article. Uh, I, Unless you're just ready to, to go to bed and you're looking for something that you can read to put you to sleep, I wouldn't recommend traipsing through it. Uh, I didn't make it all the way through myself, to be honest. I read so far, and I was like, nope, that's it. I'm done. But plenty more there where that came from. But when it seems more entertaining is how observers are reacting to the story itself. Uh, Dave Rubin over at The Blaze kind of cut right to the chase saying, quote, conservative scholar and author Christian Summers wondered, is this all real? As in, it, it, can this possibly be a real thing? Is this all real? What are – I'm reading a tweet that uh, Summers put out. Is this all real? What are neo-pronouns? Noun self-pronouns can refer to animals, so your pronouns can be bun, bun self, kitten, kitten. Others refer to fantasy characters. Again, same stuff that we've already had, and this was obviously uh, included the New York Times hashtag there. Now, other people, they express similar sentiment. Um one commentator wrote, I shall now refer to myself as squill, squirrely, squirrel self. Uh, <laughs> uh, another one, uh, okay, this article made my head hurt. I respect pronoun usage, but this just seems like people taking it too far. We are not little kids who are making up names. But yet that's exactly what's happening here. Uh, another commentator said, Another sign America is circling the bowl like the uh, violent bowel movement. Ugh. Uh, terrible imagery, but sadly, I can't argue against it that much. Uh, another uh, – what about inanimate object pronouns like Apache attack helicopter or uh, Apacta helicopter, Apacta copper, uh, discrimination – at its finest, if they don't accept my identity as a packed copper. <laughs> well, you know, 
I see that, and I can't help but laugh because a joke my daughter, my youngest daughter, has been saying for a while now when it comes to this obscenity, uh, this absurdity, uh, is that she identifies as an attack helicopter. So uh, it's like, uh, wow, okay. So yeah, I, obviously she's not the only one thinking that way. In fact, I, I need to check, make sure that wasn't her. Okay, uh, another one. Uh, at what point are you all sick of sharing a country with folks pushing this kind of stuff? Their fantasy land lifestyles are slowly dragging our country towards economic ruin. Let them live however they want in a country they want. Break off half of the U.S. and let's get back to truth. Now, I don't know about you. I'm not prepared to give up half of the country and just cede it over <laughs> Peeking back in the chat room, <laughs> Chief said that he called somebody a other word for female dog and was chastised. How dare you assume my gender? I prefer dog self. <laughs> now, it's easy for us to sit back and laugh at this kind of thing because to us it is exactly that absurd. This is obscenity of word usage. It is uh, an it's an assault on the senses of any reasonable person, especially anybody that's ever engaged in the art of communication, whether verbal, visual, or written word. Such an assault on the language is very difficult for us to accept. It's very difficult for us to digest. So we have to laugh at it to keep from completely losing our minds. I'm, a lot of the folks that are currently in the chat room right now are people that have engaged in the art of communication in one form or another. I would be curious to see if they feel the same way of what I would just say because I, I really think honestly that most people who – especially those of us who put work and labor into our efforts to communicate, you are forced to adhere to certain rules of the language to make sure that your communication is clear. And then to see somebody so nonchalantly recreate the vestiges, the most basic and fundamental rules of communication just to suit their little fantasy world belief, it's, it's infuriating. So we laugh to keep from getting angrier. We tell jokes like the, how dare you assume my gender, I prefer dog self, again, because it's so absurd what they're saying. And the reason we feel it's so absurd isn't got a thing to do with being transphobic. It has everything to do with knowing that if you don't have a shared set of values, you can't have a country. If you don't have a unified way to communicate – you can't possibly express your differences, your beliefs, your ideas. You can't adequately be self-expressive, and you can't share those ideas, those principles. So there's no way to have a group of people with a shared collective principle. We need language. I mean uh, the story of the Tower of Babel really says it all. Have one goal, you move forward. <laughs> yeah, uh, sorry to hear that, Cajun. <laughs> or 
I mean, you seem happy about it, but I think it might come back to bite you a little later. <laughs> now, I'm not going to tell you what Cajun just said in the chat room. As, uh, that's my uh, cheap and easy ploy to try and remind you that, hey, guess what? No matter where you're listening to the show, you're always welcome to come and join me live. And if you do so live over at Blog Talk Radio uh, on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays uh, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern, uh, then you'll have a chance to be in this chat room with these folks, and you can see what they're saying and be part of the group. That's <laughs> good. All in the family. Yeah. Chief uh, just said it has nothing to do with being transphobic. It has to do with understanding the English language. I, I, not just the English language. Every language has a pretty solid set of pronouns. You conjugate the language based on two genders, not on 37 genders. Could you imagine? I don't know how many of you guys are even slightly familiar with French. Uh, I'm pretty sure most of the romantic languages are the same way. So much of the conjugation is based on uh, male or uh, feminine uh, directed. So uh, how do you even speak French or Italian or Spanish? If you're identifying as elf self or vamp self or dog self, I, I, how do you get there? Mm, goldfish self. Uh, uh, the pet or the crackers? Hey, the crackers, baby. Nope, that's an animate object. You're not allowed to do that. Oh man. Hey, anyway, it, it's an absurdity, but it's even more absurd how you get bullied into trying to go along with this. I mean the example that I brought to you. From the New York Times story of this Twitch streamer, uh, whom, uh, again, I spend like zero time on Twitch. I, I'm aware of Twitch's existence. I have never been there. Uh, it's a young person's uh, platform, mostly like gamers that stream the stuff that they're doing. But uh, other folks are there, obviously. But uh, I digress. The point still stands. That she had to issue this apology is not much different than Gina Carano when, uh, after being pushed and pushed and pushed on Twitter about uh, what are your preferred pronouns, what are your list your preferred pronouns. So she eventually said, "All right, for those of you that are requiring I play your silly little game, here are my preferred pronouns: beep, bop, boop." <gasps> Up at arms! Time to get fired at Disney. No, we can't do that yet. We need to wait till she makes a Holocaust reference. All right, fine. Hard work being over <laughs> an executive at Disney, uh, at least uh, in the case of the folks working specifically at Lucasfilms. Chief just asked me, did you say cracker? Racist. Well, yeah, the crackers were the racist ones, right? Anyway. It still comes down to a very basic, very fundamental thing. They want to bully you into this because otherwise, if enough people stood up and just said, no, I'm not playing this game with you, if we treated this like the tiny little temper tantrum it is – you know, again, I'm going to make this comparison. I did this Wednesday night. I think I'm probably going to do it for a little while ongoing, uh, and then I'm going to bring back my definition of democracy. Uh, after we've had your fill of this, uh, we used to know when our children, if we were a good parent, we used to know if our children uh, were throwing a tantrum, uh, the best course of action 
was to just let them wear themselves out throwing that tantrum, not even acknowledge that it was happening, act like you didn't notice. And the more they did to try to get your attention, the less you paid attention to it. If your kid is even of slightly less than average intelligence, it would not take them very long to figure out this approach doesn't work. Perhaps I should try something else to get the things that I want. And if we were teaching uh, all these timeout kids that uh, participation trophies are not the way to get ahead in life and that uh, just going with made-up stuff and then everybody bending to your will because you're special is not how life really works. If we taught them that instead of what they've been allowed to get away with, we probably wouldn't have half of this insanity. When you start destroying the English language, I start having a problem, boys and girls. I have true and genuine sympathy for anyone suffering from gender dysphoria. I if you have listened to this show long enough, you have heard me on a multitude of occasions. You've heard me bring on guests like Walt Hollier, for example, and multiple times. We've had the discussions. We've had the discussions about how terrible this can be and about how the solution does not fall into hormone suppression or self-mutilation, which they, of course, call – uh, gender uh, – what's the new term now? They didn't, I can't even call it gender reassignment surgery anymore. Uh, gender uh, affirmation. That's it. The new term – in case you hadn't heard this, by the way. The new term for the self-mutilation is gender affirmation surgery. So self-mutilation. Be who you really are, not just who you seem to think you are. That level of depression, that issue that you're dealing with, it's not going to improve by changing how you look. And at the end of the day, there's not a thing you can do to change those chromosomes in your DNA. That's going to have to be it for tonight. I want to thank everybody once again for uh, hanging out with me, especially those of you here live, hung out. And again, all of you were here just about the entirety of the show. So uh, thank you so much for being here, especially The Scoop, uh, new listener. Hope you'll be around for upcoming broadcasts. Hope to see you again. In the meanwhile, uh, as always, ladies and gentlemen, I bid you adieu as I normally do, reminding you, please, please, do not take a single word I say as gospel. Don't take my word for any of it. I want you to go do your own homework, do your research. Yeah, put in a little effort. Sometimes it can be hard. But besides not just taking my word for it, please don't take the other guy's word for it either. If you're watching CNN, MSNBC, NBC, CBS, stop! Or you can watch it to see how ridiculous they are. But don't take their word for it, please. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, utilize critical thinking. It's a skill. If you haven't learned it, you need to go develop it. Because the best thing you can do is to use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, whatever else we have going on, please remember, stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, be smart out there, guys, even if it goes against your nature. I'm out. Have a great weekend, everybody.
is using both hands. Founders knew the Second Amendment was the final one to keep. To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep. Now in Hitler, now I mean it's whole pot. They told us things that you never forgot. Is using both hands Well I prefer the three oh to the tiny two to three Gives me more than a thousand yards to protect my family Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.